Welcome to a Heritage Christian Centre podcast. For more information, visit www.heritagecc.com.au. We hope this message blesses your life. thing I appreciate about Errol and Sue so much is just their warmth and their authenticity. Uh, they, they walk the talk. They're not different during the week to the way they are on Sunday. And we feel a great uh, uh, honour to be here today, great sense of affinity with you, theologically, if you like, biblically, um, in every way. It's like, wow, we just, we really are family. And that really is what the scripture says for sure. Well, look, I'm going to take you to my garden, or our garden that was, you'll see it up on the screen. And it's known now, particularly as I grow in granddad's garden, I started to take our grandkids out one by one into the garden, just had a chat with them. And over a couple of years, I ended up with a think and thank seat, a let go log, a crossover corner, a dream table. And it was just, as Errol said, Pastor Errol, a reflection of my heart. It wasn't a clever strategy. As some people have said to me over the years, oh, that's a very clever idea. Well, no, it wasn't. It was just out of the overflow of my heart, having a chat with my grandkids. And this is what came out, these values. And I never anticipated writing a kid's book. I'd written another one, but a kind of book. We get these emails such as this one. My seven, and they come from 99% people we don't know. My seven-year-old daughter suffers from acute anxiety. After getting to Crossover Corner for the very first time, she began to tell me what she was afraid of. Instead of crying to the point of vomit, we talked about how courage could help get her through her fears. Who would have thought one page in a children's book could change a seven-year-old's life? This has opened up a whole new world for me as a mother and for my children. Now, we deliberately wrote these three children's books with the philosophy of what I call the book of Esther. The book of Esther being the only book in the Bible that doesn't mention God. Yeah, check it out. It's true. Most people don't realise that. But God's thumbprint, heartbeat, footprint is all through that magnificent story of a young woman stepping up and being used incredibly by God. And I thought, well, if we want to get these kids' books with God's truth, how are we going to do that? We have biblical kingdom principles without religious language. And so we're invited to all state schools. Our two main kids' books are in over a 1,000 state schools in Queensland and uh, used uh, tremendously. And we've been invited to places like a New Age kind of crowd. And, you know, we say pretty well the same thing we say here. When people perceive that you love them and accept them, You can say almost anything to them and they don't push back. But just spare the religious language. God wasn't religious. Jesus wasn't religious. He was real. He was authentic. There was a naturalness, uh, supernatural naturalness to his life. And so we've now got these best-selling kids' books. C.S. Lewis was asked, why do you spend so much time on children's books? Interestingly, here's what he said. If I have something really important to say, children's books are the most effective way to say it. Wow, who would have thought of that? So here is these four values. Now, you can, I'm calling it creating a happy home. You could call it bringing heaven to earth. You could call it four kingdom principles. Call it what you like. But I'm calling it creating a happy home. If we are grateful, it releases the presence of God. If we forgive 
we experience the peace of God. Courage, the power of God, generosity, the purpose of God. Can I take you around my garden for a little while this morning to see where this began and God's truth. So here we go in the book. And by the way, I didn't know how to write a kid's book. For those of you who are dreamers, got ideas, how do you write a kid's book? I went to Dr. Google and I found Mem Fox's page and I agreed with 18 of her 20 principles about writing a kid's book. And then I had a focus group. I happened to know two paediatric psychiatrists. I got to know two speech therapists, children, early learning educators, you name it. I got input from them on how to write a kid's book and uh, learned a lot on the journey. And we've done multiple reprints and haven't had to change a word, not because I'm that smart, but because I got advice, I got wisdom from others. You got a dream? Don't just hang on to yourself. Get input from others. Do that. When we left Christchurch, New Zealand a long time ago, can I have my water, please? We had three little kids and 28 cartons of books. Thanks. And uh, what we had in our heart was a passion for the presence of God. We were called to take over a church in Holland Park in Brisbane. And I just went with a simple prayer. The presence of God. The presence of God. You know, God got ticked off with his kids and uh, they wanted to go to the promised land and they were so grumbly and complaining. He said, that's fine, that's great, perfect. And God said, well, you can go off to the promised land, but I'm not coming with you. And Moses said, we don't want the promised land without your presence. I don't want to do church without the presence of God. I don't really want to do anything without the presence of God. That should be the normal Christian life. There should be no chasm between our Sunday experience and how we live our life at home. Our home should be filled with the presence of God. You know, I hesitate to say this, but I'm going to say it. Uh, We moved to the sunny coast nine months ago. And there's 56 apartments in our complex, uh, mostly owner-occupied and a a wide range of ages. And someone said to us, and they keep telling other people, and this is what I'm struggling with sharing with you, but you'll never see me again, so I'll say it. She says, she's in a a 50-something lady who's kind of an unchurched sort of believer. And she said, since you and Moira have moved in, the atmosphere has changed in this place. The culture is changing in this place. And, you know, it's very hard to receive something like that because you want to walk in humility before God. But I thought that's what we prayed. We prayed that. We believe at this stage of our life we're going to lead a whole lot of people to Jesus. We've got them coming into our apartment already. We've got a couple coming this week or next week. He's about six foot four. He's got one of those BBC newsreader voices. And he was Commodore of the Ox Godbrun down south and that. Have no idea who God is. And they're coming for a meal. And he's got a really crook back. And I'm already sensing the Holy Spirit say to me, pray for him, for his back. he got no faith. i got faith. Who knows? God might show up. He probably won't push back because he knows already the love and the warmth and the acceptance. Anyway, back to the garden. And isn't this how we should live? That people see and sense and feel a difference. They come into our home and rather than look at their shoes or look at the ceiling because couples and Families are paying out on each other. There's just joy. They want to come back. 
They want to be in the environment that we create in our home, in our business, in our classroom. We carry faith, hope, and love. We carry the presence of God. So anyway, here's the journey, and here's the first truth. The power is in the Word of God. The power's in the Word of God. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. 1 Thessalonians 5.18. What's the will of God for me today? Give thanks. Give thanks. It releases the presence of God. Are we going to experience the presence of God if we're grumbly and complaining and all that kind of thing? Of course we're not. Cynical, critical. There's no presence of God. There might be a religious veneer, but there's no presence of God. Can you imagine Jesus complaining? About anything. Wow. So in the book where I'm going around the garden with Ali, uh, it says something like, we sit on the think and thank seat. After a while, you've got more room in your head. Granddad says that's what peace is. He says, now's a good time to say thank you. And so these four values of gratitude, forgiveness, courage, and generosity all have a positive outworking. And gratitude overcomes complaining. I'm one of four sons, A, B, C, and D. Anthony, the eldest, B, number two, Brian. C, the naughty one, number three. And four, D, a very good athlete. And it says in the adventures of A, B, C, D at the beginning, A is very smart. C is very naughty. D is a very good sports person. B is always good and very handsome. Now, when you write a book, you can actually put that in. Of course, no one believes it. But, you know, my mum was incredibly positive. Complaining was like the unforgivable sin. She loved Jesus. She was such a practical Christian. And she wouldn't let us complain. Count your blessings. Count your blessings. You know why mothers are so annoying, some of you younger ones? I'll tell you, I've got a revelation here. Mothers are so annoying because they're always right. I think there's so much truth in that. And she used to type up little sayings and put them above the sink because us four boys were the dishwashers. There was no silver machinery or anything like that. And they really annoyed us. Sometimes you put a scripture. There was a poem. Thank God for dirty dishes. They have a tale to tell. While others may go hungry, we've eaten very well. With health and home and happiness, we shouldn't want to fast. For by this stack of evidence, God's been very good to us. We didn't like it. But all four boys now in their 60s remember it. And we're all positive and uh, orientated in that way. Thank God for mum. When we express gratitude, it releases the presence of God. It opens our heart to God. It gives us the right perspective in life. It's intoxicating. As we develop what I'm calling the heart habit, if you like, the heart habit of gratitude, it's intoxicating. It's better than drugs or alcohol or anything. You know, gratitude. It's a get-out-of-jail card. Paul and Silas in prison, giving thanks, praising God. Bang, they're out of prison. The power of God is released. It's a, like the, you know, an access code, if you like, to a life of high well-being. And uh, I, you know, this might sound a bit weird to you, but I'm going to say it anyway. Are uh, oh, you going to have that one? Are you, you going to use that mic? Okay, come on up. I'll have this one. So... If you saw me mowing my lawns and my lips were moving, what am I doing? I'm actually thanking God I got a lawn because most people on the planet don't. If you see me washing my car and my lips are moving, what am I doing? I'm actually thanking God I've got a car because most people on the planet don't have one. We've got so much to be thankful for. We really have.
Caroline had such a positive, happy little mother, um, my mum wasn't so happy. Not just because she was widowed, uh, you know, quite young, and she had six children. So she had five of us from eight to 15, and then a baby, and then dad died. So she, she managed amazingly well, but she really struggled through those years. At times we got locked out to give her some peace and quiet, but the good news was there were 14 cousins all living in the same street. <laughs> so we just went and saw our cousins and had fun. But I struggled with negative thoughts. Um, but becoming a follower of Jesus at 21, I walked into this church in Melbourne. I just went, whatever you've got, I want it. <laughs> Pray that it will happen. Pray that God will just come in. People, you know, God will send people in here that will just sense that and experience that presence of God that's here. Um, but... Coming to Jesus helped break that cycle of negativity. So I discovered God as my heavenly father, my counsellor, my comforter, and my friend. I saw his smile, and I experienced his love. Living with a positive husband helps too. <laughs> He's constantly full of fun and positive, and if I get a bit negative, he'll just, come on, joy bells. He calls me bubbles at the moment, <laughs> keeping me positive. <laughs> Um, but I learned to renew my mind by meditating and memorizing scripture. Gratitude became a dynamic and life-changing habit. In fact, just recently, I've, I've write these little whispers from heaven, and I've got this one about gratitude is the golden ribbon to wrap up your day. And that's been oh, such a blessing. So I've actually got a little book now that I write at the end of the day. The things So you're focusing on the positive things throughout the day and it keeps that record in your mind of the good things, not the negative things. Um, so my book is really based on Philippians 4 and it says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So you really need to renew your mind and think about the good things in your life and not the negative things. So you can change your mindset. You can do that. Um, I love to listen to God. I like to read my Bible every morning, but I like to listen to him as well later in the day. And I write these little, as I said, whispers from heaven. And I wrote this one here after I'd been up all night with a grandchild. I said, oh God, how am I going to get through the day? And I've got these words, you can choose the colour of your day. You can paint it with the dark cloud of unhappiness, colour it with the bright sunshine of love. You can paint a rainbow of hope and you can sparkle every day with joy. So I got that as like a whisper from heaven that really touched my heart. And years later, it's ended up in my children's book. I've put those words in. I was speaking at a minute woman's meeting and I told them about people wanting me to write Grandma's Garden. And I read that whisper out and this lady came up to me and she said, that thing about the rainbow, that has to be in your children's book. And on the ride home in the car, and about an hour and a half that night, I got the whole idea of how to book the book together. So it came out of a whisper from heaven that's now encouraging other people. So we can choose gratitude. We can choose to colour our day with sunshine. Wow. And I get to live with this girl. We met and married in 12 weeks, lived in different cities. It was kind of like a business deal, really. I mean, I liked her, but I didn't know her. And I felt God say, marry this girl. All I remembered from meeting her at our house when my cousin dropped by was her incredible smile, the love of Jesus in her eyes, and her perfect legs. Uh, 
only because she was sitting on my dad's, they were on a cruise, mum and dad, she was sitting on my dad's lazy boy kind of thing and she had her legs out like that and she had a micro mini and I thought, well, that's going to have to go. That'll go. A good Christian girl shouldn't have a micro, micro. Anyway, uh, so 45 years later, our kids, when we were talking about this in more recent times, said, you met and married that quick? You hardly knew each other? Your first kiss was after you got engaged? Yeah. Went up, took her up the top of the hills and uh, wrote a song and uh, from, based on John Denver's song, Follow Me, and changed the words. And I played my guitar, sang in the song, and said, I believe God wants us to get married. So I don't think I actually asked you. Um, but then we did a few weeks later. And uh, we've been on 45 years, just, we, we're just hungry for God every day. We're purpose-driven every day. We move up the coast and we see new opportunities, new people to get to know. We're driving up here past early the other day. We haven't done that. We've done this for 12 years, but the last 20 months, virtually none because of COVID, you know. And we felt like a couple of kids again uh, for a while. And, uh, but in our heart, you know, it's, age is just a number anyway. So choose gratitude. It's an environmental game changer. It was the habit of Jesus. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke it. And what happened? Multiplication. Gratitude, multiplication. There's a link. There really is a link. Let's be grateful. So that's happy heart habit number one. Number two, we go to the let go log. Now, I thought about not putting this in the book. It's quite confronting, the whole concept of forgiveness and hurts. But really, we all get hurt, correct? Every single one of us gets hurt. And I'm praying and trusting today that some of you are going to let go some hurt that's inside today. There's a lady who um, got our granddad's garden book just a couple of weeks ago on the sunny code, and she was reading it with her six-year-old boy. He goes to school. His name's Jensen. And she called me up, talked about it. And she said uh, she was reading it to him, you know, about a week ago at night. And the question is, I think one of the reasons these books work is they have interactive questions. The question is, have you got any hurts inside? And so the little boy looked up at mum and said, yeah, I do. She helped him understand we're not talking about something on the outside, but on the inside. Somebody kicked a ball at me at school deliberately. It really, really hurt. But it wasn't the hurt on the outside. It was the hurt I felt on the inside. So mum's explaining forgiveness to a little six-year-old boy. And he looked up at her and he said, do I have to wait till I get home to do that? She said, no. Just do it at school. Do it on the spot. And I thought the wisdom of child clarifying that. See, some of you are going to listen and you're thinking of past pain. And I've been a pastor a long time. I understand pain. I've had it myself. But you know what's so disappointing? Is I meet Christians and they'll bring something up, a grievance against someone or even a pastor or an ex or an ex-business associate. And they'll be talking about this pain like it happened yesterday or the week before. It happened 10 years ago. They still carry it. And I'm like, how disappointing to God. I think it would be one of God's greatest disappointments that Christians don't forgive. When you think about it, what right have we got not to forgive? Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. In the book, I've got this in sort of age 5 to 12 language. <laughs> but interestingly talking about the impact of this little kid's book, they use it in maximum security prisons. 
They're using it in domestic violence shelters. I wrote for four to eight-year-old kids after my research. We found it has the greatest impact, probably about five up to 12. But then I find adults using it. And now I never anticipated that. And, uh, but forgiveness is an issue for all of us. And I understand the pain. I've been a pastor a long time. I've been in a room where there's fresh blood on cut wrists. I, you know, you name it. I've been in the midst of that. It wrecks me for days. And, and you, you go home and you, you think of the pain and the, the betrayal and the, you know, and, and it's just essential even to forgive. The young couple who came to see me, they're only just getting started in their faith. And I could tell she was extremely nervous, and he was too. Just new in the faith, newly married. And, and he said, she's got something to say. I tried to relax them with talking about footy or anything, you know. And in the end, he said, she's got something to say. Well, she didn't say it. She went down on the floor on her knees and just wept and wept and wept. And he finally said, she's pregnant to another man. But then he said this, I love you, I forgive you, I will treat the child as my own. I'm telling you, there's days where you're on holy ground with, you know. And I can still remember her tears, the long hair, she was hiding behind her hair, but her tears were dropping on her thigh and her knee. And uh, he kept saying that over and over. I'll never forget it. I love you, I forgive you, I'll treat this child as my own. And I said to her, can you hear what he's saying? She just cried. I said, look at me. So she kept crying and didn't look at me. So I put my hand under her chin and lifted it up. And I said, God forgives you. God forgives you. He's saying, forgive you. And, you know, there was a light of the beginning of the process of really getting that and understanding it. A young lady came down the front in a church service. Maura and I were there, and we'll call her Christine. And she had a skin, she was a nurse. She had a skin condition that you could see all over her, any, you know, here, everywhere. She said, it's all over me. Would you pray for healing for my skin condition? And, look, I'm not kind of a psychiatrist or psychologist or anything like that, pastor, but I've been around the block a little bit. And I try to listen to the Holy Spirit. And I sense the Holy Spirit saying, ask her how she gets on with her father, which you might think, what's that got to do with her skin condition? Anyway, we're kneeling down the front. And uh, I felt the Holy Spirit say, ask her how she gets on with her father, which I did. Explosion of tears and anger. She's about 24. I hate him. I hate him. I hate my mum and I hate my dad. I'm like, wow, talk about a trigger of some sort here. And I said, I called Moira over. And uh, she said, well, I had a little brother. There was a brother before me in the family called Chris. And when he was a little boy, Chris died. And so mum and dad tried again and had me. So I'm called Christine after Chris. And as I was growing up, my dad and my mum both said, we wish you'd die. We wanted a son. Sometimes it's embarrassing, isn't it? Uh, we wish you'd died. And I thought, oh, God. And so we just loved on her and, and uh, we're there with her. And I finally looked at her and I said, Christine, you're not going to like to hear this, but you need to forgive your mum and dad. You've got to forgive your mum and dad. 
Well, that's not an easy thing to do, is it? And I'd like to say sometimes the forgiveness journey began that day. It began. We helped her. It takes time sometimes. We just got to keep on going back when it comes back. And just and you know why we've got to forgive? We forgive others for our benefit, not theirs. Often they have no conscience about the way they've hurt us. We forgive for our benefit. And one of the things that I've shared with quite a number of wives over the years whose husbands have betrayed them and been unfaithful is forgiveness and trust are not the same thing. You forgive him for your benefit. If you don't forgive a person who's hurt you, they control you. You're still controlled by them. And you don't want that. And you, you, you're kind of crippled. You can't run into your destiny. You can't live a full life. There's trigger there that constantly will come up with anger and all kinds of things. So we helped her begin that uh, journey. And we forgot to pray for her skin. She came to church, uh, I think it was two Sundays later, it was all healed. It was just gone. Uh, Many doctors and others would say that 80% of illness is psychosomatic. It's related to your attitudes and your mindset and all these kind of things. So we've got to forgive. We must forgive. I thought as we were driving here, but I should say to some of you today, I don't need to know who you are. You don't have to wait. You can do it. Do it while I'm talking. Just do it while you're sitting. But preacher, you don't know the depth of my hurt. No, I, I'm sure I don't. And I'm not curious. Not because I don't care, but I'm not curious. It's for your good. You let little Jensen learn he doesn't have to wait till he gets home from school. If somebody hurts him at school, he can forgive them on the spot. Let it go. Let it go, let it go. Look, I think you can, uh, I don't know if this is okay, but I'm, I'm going to do it because it's a family, isn't it? Well, and I'll use the name Ben as an example, just because there's no one here called Ben, you know. So imagine little Ben is about 18 months, two years old, and you're trying to potty train the little guy. So he's running around the house in the nick, you know what that means? Yeah, no clothes on. So there he is, the little guy. And you just, every now and then, you see a little bit of effort coming and you think, oh, get the potty. You know, it might be a turtle shape, it might be whatever. And you get get this little plastic potty. He's in the lounge and you think, this is going to happen. He's going to do his first solid in the potty. And so you put the potty down at the right moment. He does his first solid. That's a great day. Young parents, isn't it? That's a great day. If it was me, I'd be getting out my iPhone, taking a photo sending it to all my family and friends. Look what little Benny did. He did his first solid. Yay. So what do you do with that potty? You just leave it in the lounge, don't you? You know what unforgiveness is like? It's like a potty with poo in it in the lounge. If you like. I'm serious. You go on home, you can almost smell unforgiveness. Going to schools. Such a joy being in the school yesterday, so the last couple of days. The tone in that school, the culture in that school, the kindness of the staff and others. Uh, it's fantastic, the presence of God. But, you know, you go into people's homes, you know, and it's awkward. And, you wonder, and sometimes it's unforgiveness. There's a stench. So what do you do with that potty with a poo in it? You flush it. You let it go. We've got to get our pain out and let it go. Now, some of you are probably, when you see that, you're thinking, 
of Disney, aren't you? You, you can't help think of Disney and you're thinking, let it go, let it go. The song that some people love to hate and all that kind of thing. Um, is there anyone you should forgive today? Please do it. In the name of Jesus, your Saviour, just do it. And realistically, you know, it might be getting started. My best friend for 25, 35 years, 30 years is a neurologist, a brain specialist, Don. He's a wonderful, generous, kind and godly man. And over decades, I would phone him sometimes when I'm in the scriptures and say, give me a neurological perspective on this. This is my biblical understanding. What's a scientific medical explanation? And, for example, when it comes to forgetting, the brain has no delete. There is no delete. It's always there. But you know you've forgiven someone when that hurtful incident can be recalled without the associated emotional pain. That means you've forgiven. So as long as it comes back and you've still got pain, just keep on asking God for his help and let it go. Peter asked Jesus, how many times should I forgive someone who hurts me? Once, twice, 70 times seven, said Jesus. He was hoping Jesus, Peter, might develop a healthy heart habit. I figure, really. So let it go. Let it go. And uh, we're just going to move on to the next one now. This is Crossover Corner. Maura, you come up. I'll uh, get you to do all of this one. For God did not give us a spirit. Of, you clapped her before, but you never clapped me. You know, that happens in healthy church. No, it doesn't mean anything. <laughs> no, no, stop it. Um, this, it always happens. She gets up and does five minutes. Um, um, Never mind. Yeah, so. I'm, I'm really happy that she gets... Hold on, I haven't read that yet. Okay. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity. You can see we're good mates, eh? Yeah. I only wish for you young ones, like Jackson and Michaela over there we taught yesterday, that in 45 years you got what we got. Because you can have it. Jesus in the centre. And uh, it's great. Anyway. Uh, he gave us a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. Having our own granddad's garden was very helpful to me at a time we handed our church over. And so in our backyard, of course, is a thinking thanks to let go log, crossover corner dream table. And I came home one day and I said, I think I'd better go to let go log today. <laughs> so I had to let go some stuff so that I could move on into the next thing that God had. So sitting on the dream table thinking, what's my dream? what would I want to do with the future now? You know, it's changed. It's time to move on. And I've always had this desire to write. In fact, when I was 10 years old, I wanted to write a book. And I wrote my first one, a training manual, when I was 40. So I was over 60 before I started writing. <laughs> so it's never too late. Um, but it's great to fulfil those dreams and keep dreaming. I've got dreams still. I've got a book, another book just about finished. But I've already got the next one. In fact, it's Whispers from Heaven. <laughs> I want to write that one next. So I've already got a lot of material for that already done. Um, but most of my books have all got a similar theme. They're all about transformation and being transformed by renewing your mind. That's probably one of my life verses. So because I had to you know, get rid of a lot of worry and anxiety out of my mind, um, I've learned how to meditate on Scripture and memorise Scripture. I was noticed that I've got in my bag, in my handbag. I was looking through it the other day because it was a bit of time. And I've got a little business card holder, really pretty with diamonds on it, and I keep scriptures in it. So just while I was waiting, I could go over those scriptures and meditate on them. And I was with my granddaughter. I had them the other day, and I saw one, and I thought, oh, 
this will suit Sharon. So I gave her the little card, which is done on a really attractive little card, um, gave her the scripture, and her mum called me later in the day and said, Sharon's been reading that scripture over and over again. So you can encourage others in that way. So courage, what I've got in the book is the word courage is in the middle of the word encouragement. So we can encourage one another, but we can also encourage ourselves and build ourselves up. So in the garden, we're planting, Grandma's garden, we're planting flowers in the garden. And Grandma says, you can plant flowers in the garden of your heart. And then we're pulling weeds in the garden. And then Grandma says, warriors like unhappy thoughts fill our head like weeds. We have to pull them out and throw them away. So I've suggested in the back of the book having a little worry bucket to put those worries in. And there's something about writing down your worries, putting it somewhere. And I did this first with my daughter when she was young. And let's write down your worries and put them in this box. And then we lift it up high on a shelf and like we're giving that to God now. And it's amazing how it can get those worries out of your mind. So a mother wrote to me saying her eight-year-old daughter, who used to worry all the time, has now started writing her worries in the worry bucket beside her bed, and now she sleeps soundly. So that's wonderful to know. Um, so it's encouraging ourselves. Um, encourage ourselves to be strong over and over. In Psalm 42, King David actually said to himself, Why are you downcast, O my soul? Hope in God, I will yet praise him. So he was talking to himself, encouraging himself, building himself up. So you can do that. You know, speak out scripture. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not below. I was reading scriptures this morning all about being a conqueror (laughs) and I will overcome in situations. So you can keep your spirit strong and keep up. So, sorry, Brian. (laughs) Oh, here it is. (laughs) It takes courage to move forward, to press on, to achieve goals and fulfill your destiny. church, isn't it, Errol? Uh, we do feel such an affinity with you guys, you know, we just feel so much at home with you, I hope that's okay, you know, um, we just really love Jesus and we're going to do that till the end, Moira nearly died three times the last three years, he had a brain seizure and was that far away and we don't make light of it but we're like, you're still here aren't you, how's your brain, your brain's good, yeah, She's actually written her fifth book the last 18 months, you know. Her brain's sharp and good. And, you know, we've just got this incredible focus that if we die, we're going home. We are here. We are engaged. We are passionate. We are mission-focused. We love each other. We've got kids and grandkids that like hanging out with us and love each other and all that. I mean, we are rich, as somebody said, in social and spiritual capital, which is the kind of capital that you want to be rich in more than anything else at the end of the day. And so, uh, yeah, still here. That's good. Yeah, I like you. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Um, but we know that where we're going. So the next one, the last one, is the dream table. And so the dream table uh, around generosity, we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Everyone at school wants to comment on this one. When there's time to interact with the kids and the class is small enough, they've got a dream. We heard some dreams the last couple of days at uh, Bundaberg 
uh, Christian college there, professional sports people and doctors and vets and uh, actually one wants to write a book about dragons, you know. And I looked at her and I said, you see dragons in your home, don't you? She said, yeah. I said, you talk to dragons? Yeah. Um, it's imagination, you know. Don't squash it, you know. Just just lift it up and guide it. Uh, everyone wants, One school where I that. This uh, Indian girl, actually, she's about 10. She puts her hand up. It's about four classes in the library. And when I said, what are your dreams? Because this is what I say in the book. You know, Granddad says that there are seeds of dreams put into the soil of your heart. And, uh, again, all in language that people can understand. Christians can make it uh, easily relatable as Christians and so forth. And she said, please, please, please. Yes. I'm going to be a billionaire. I said, wow, you're my first billionaire. I think I've had three now, but she was the first. And I said, you'll be able to build schools and hospitals around the world and developing. No, no. I'm going to go to Paris and buy shoes and handbags. I said, you'll probably have a bit left over. And she wasn't convinced. But anyway, afterwards, she had a beautiful friend that came up that wanted to chat a bit more. And they actually said, 10-year-old kids, they said, "Uh, how mature is this? They said, after your talk, we realised that we're kind of besties, you know, and, uh, but we fight quite a lot and we understand what we need to do now to keep that relationship. These 10-year-old kids. And I said, oh, by the way, how are you going to earn that billion dollars? Oh, no, 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 not me. My brother's an IT guy. He's going to earn it. I'm going to spend it. I thought, ah, sharp girl, sharp girl. Uh, but, you know, um, what's your dream today? What's your dream? Just because you've got grey hair doesn't mean you can't dream or no head. God bless you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, is it all right? To, is he okay? Yeah, all right. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, the dreams, God's always wanted to put things in our heart. And look, this is something I haven't shared very often, but as a young senior pastor in that church, I, I began to lead. We went from 200 to 400 the first year, 400 to 800 the second year, 800 to 1,200 the third year. I'm 33. We got all these school, We got people getting healed and saved and delivered. And it was a Baptist church. Some of my AOG mates like, what? God's at work in a Baptist church? Anyway, they, got, they need to get saved, I think. But uh, we would be worshipping like this morning here, the power of worship. And people would just fall over. Business people would get revelation about an issue, a solution. Married couples who were strange and angry would weep in each other. You know, this presence of God, presence of God. Um, an older gentleman in the church came to see me. His wife was in a fairly prominent ministry position. She had been uh, since a long time. And she was causing difficulty in that position. And uh, there was a hardness in her and uh, anger in her beneath the surface and a, a territorial possessiveness and to the point that one of our pastors had to ask her to hang that up or step aside from that because we needed a team because the Holy Spirit was moving. We need to multiply that. Well, she was so angry. She was angry. She had Moira. You probably forget this. She had you in tears. And Moira mentioned it to one of the older ladies in the church. Oh, don't worry about that. She had every pastor's wife in tears. Uh, But still, he came and saw me and he said, look, I'd just like to pass on something that you might find helpful. When we start following Jesus, it's all about relationship. Okay. It's exciting. We follow. We know Jesus. We're relating. We're chatting. We're listening. Over time, we start to serve God and serve his people. And if we're not careful, our service 
to God replaces our relationship with God. So when that service is taken away, there's nothing left. I found that profoundly helpful as a 34-year-old, whatever, and I thought that probably true. And so what's in that for us this morning? What's in it for us is stay fresh in Jesus. Make sure it's your relationship with Jesus that's first and service to God flowing out of that. You with me? Because if you lose something and you haven't got that, I say to pastors as often as I can too, and I'd say it to you guys, even though you're like a mum and dad in the faith and you're much older than me. <laughs> um, but that was a joke. Uh, uh, they're younger than me. But, but um, I say to pastors all the time, what is the most important thing you've got to give your congregation? It's your spiritual life. It's your spiritual vitality. It's your relationship with Jesus. It's not how handsome or beautiful or how leadership or whatever. It's just it's our walk with Jesus. So anyway, uh, dreams, I'm just going to, I want to encourage you in dreams. I wrote this ABCD, which is having tremendous impact. The man book is for men. I'm not sure if I can say it here, but I'll say it because it's on the book. And the man book I wrote, it, it's um, short, it's funny, it's doable, it's practical, the man book will help you enjoy the best sex you've ever had. Are you married? <laughs> stop it. Stop it. Do not let him buy this book, all right? Keep it away from him. There's a whole chapter in here on sex. And it's for men, not women. And you know what that means? Some of you are going to come up to the book table, female, and you're not only going to say, well, I'm just asking for a friend or whatever. You're going to turn straight away to chapter 3 and page 31. What are you doing? Reverse. Anyway, so that's um, uh, helping a lot of people. It's practical. Uh, I've written it for unchristian, christian non-Christian. But, you know, Christians are not as different to non-Christians as they think, in fact. And we need that truth. So uh, just wrapping up now, handing back over to Pastor Errol. Um, but... Um, we've got so many dreams. And, you know, I look at our little kids' book, what's happened from one little kids' book. And this is schools, uh, libraries, the Salvation Army, the opening of their granddad's garden, little signs people do. That's a legal practice on the Gold Coast. How many of you think that it, that's a good idea to have a granddad's garden at a legal practice? That's uh, Patrick Road State School. We get to go and open them. Quite often there's members of parliament and city councillors. Coolum Christian College... And uh, so many places, Humpy Bong State School, where the Bee Gees went, they, they put $30,000, $50,000 of infrastructure in there to do this thing. And uh, Cooktown, uh, we were up there for about 10 days, and all the state schools in the area, we dedicated their granddad's garden. Let's see, it's transferable, it's easily doable. And uh, so domestic violence shelter, one of the latest things, two domestic violence shelters, have created Granddad's Gardens. And I thought it'd be for the kids. And the lady who emailed me or rang me said, no, 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 it's for the mums. It's for the beaten up, broken, frightened mums. And I sometimes get quite weepy. I got a little bit weepy when you introduced me before and you said some nice things. You know, I'm like, oh, gosh, it's very kind. Uh, some of you are saying, wait till you get home. <laughs> You're going to be... No, no, no. My whole thing today is that there should be no chasm between here and there. And, you know, ministry starts in your heart, begins in the home, 
and then flows out to the community, to the marketplace. But it starts in your heart. It starts in your home. Keep your heart soft. Keep your heart soft. And, and you know, let's just really do what we possibly can in um, developing these heart habits. Ali says, that's how my heart sinks. My heart sinks. There we go. So when we're grateful, there's a realisation of the presence of God, a release of the presence of God. When we forgive the peace of God, if we hold on, we're not going to be at peace. When we step towards things, have courage, even in our fear, the power of God is released. When we're generous, when we're lined up with giving and sharing and going, there's the purpose of God. This is a wonderful church. The Spirit of the Lord is upon you. I hope you realise that, you know, how can I say this? I was going to say how good you've got it, but that doesn't quite sound Christian enough. But I, I think, you know, sometimes an outsider can give you a bit of perspective that you might forget. This is a vibrant, dynamic, healthy church with wonderful leaders and little Benny who's been potty trained, which is good. And, uh, you know, uh, you're mission-orientated, you're family-based. I wonder if I might just finish by putting this up. It's a prayer I wrote that if you've never gotten started with Jesus, you could pray this prayer. Is that okay? It's all right, isn't it? Oh, and that's more of a secret to inner beauty, by the way. That is her story or our story and the whole uh, spiritual growth. So here's this prayer. Actually, here's the thing. I I want you to look at it so you're not surprised by what might come. Um, Do you ever pray out loud together, the whole church, you know, with something like this? Could we all do this? That'd be all right, wouldn't it? Don't be shy, you know. Uh, So just take a look at it, and I'll lead you. If you've never prayed a prayer like this, pray it today. Oh, there's Nelson. That is Nelson, isn't it? I wonder if you need this book. Why don't we give him? Can you give him this book? Here, here, take it up there. Take him up. Hold on, hold on. Wait a minute. There's also a man card that goes with it. So when men, it's called the man book, and when a man can be in the toilet for a long time and his wife says, what are you doing? I'm reading a relationship book. He's just reading the card. So there you go, mate. Yeah. Yeah. I hope it helps, Amy. Uh. Ah, oh, look, they're the most wonderful couple. When I lectured in the college and they were, they were just the most above and beyond people. Okay, now back to this uh, moment which could be eternally life-changing. We're all going to pray it out loud together and we'll give courage and encouragement to those who maybe never prayed a prayer like this before. Here we go. Hello, God. Ah, oh, we're going to do it together, so not after me. All right, here we go. Ready? Hello, God. Thank you for creating me to enjoy your perfect world. I messed up. I want to come home. Thank you, Jesus, for choosing a brutal death to cleanse my heart. Please forgive me. I accept your gift as my saviour. Welcome into my heart. Help me to live in harmony with you, your family, and your purpose for my life. Amen.